You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. I want to talk a little bit today about being intentional because uh, nothing in life ever happens by accident, right? Nothing in life ever happens by accident. We want to be intentional. It's important for us if we want to see results, if we want to see the end game, if we want to arrive at that place, we, it's not just going to happen by accident. We have to actually make plans now. We have to be intentional now to get to that place then. And it's hard to be intentional when you're under stress. Any of you just over the last couple weeks, just being honest, by a show of hands, how many of you felt like you've just been under some stress? It might be because of something good or something bad, but you're just caring a lot, right? Yeah, we get it. We understand that. And, and stress happens. Stress is a normal part of the human experience. The problem is some of us are actually stressing about our stress. You ever do that? I'm so stressed, and now I'm stressing about my stress. And then you get frustrated with all the people around you because they should be as stressed as you are about your stress. And they should all be helping you with your stress because you're stressed. Anybody in here do that besides me? Right? You want to get like everybody. If I'm stressed, we're all stressed. And maybe as parents or as spouses or as family members, you're just kind of that way. You feel that kind of stress in your life. And others are stressed about work. Maybe you're stressed about parenting or conflict or you're worried about everything. You've got stresses about your health. You've got stresses about failure. You've got stresses that are caused by your own sin. Sometimes our sin causes stress in our lives. And for some of us, you're stressed about loss. And all the time, we experience stress. It's a normal part of the human experience. In fact, Jesus experienced stress. Whether you know it or not, he did. Pastors experience stress. And you may not think that they do, but oh, pastors experience stress. And not only that, grandparents experience stress. Picture grandparents for a minute. They're supposed to be like all calm. Maybe they're retired, relaxed, right? No, they experience stress. They do. They have stress about life. They have stress about that. If you don't believe me, go on a seniors outing for the day and to lunch. And, and you will hear about the kind of stress that seniors carry because they will talk about their health stress or their family stress or their life stress the entire time. You know what I'm talking about? We get stressed. doesn't matter whether what season in life we are, we experience stress. It's a normal part of the human experience. And how many of you, just being honest, would say stress is probably bad? Stress is bad. Yep, I'd say stress is bad, right? Because it can create like stomach pain, headaches, grief, depression, burnout, like this inability to function. And in fact, health science proves that a lot of diseases and illnesses have their origin in stress. It's amazing how many doctors this day not only have to be medical professionals, but they basically are people who diagnose and try to help people continue their pace of life while under stress. They might medicate, they might give some skills, but so often doctors are listening to people in their offices, in their practice, who are really just dealing with the conditions surrounding stress more than an actual illness. Stress sounds pretty bad to me. But not all stress is bad, right? Stress helps you study. Stress helps you memorize. Did you know that? Stress gets you ready for the game. If you don't feel stressed before the game, you're probably not priming your body and your energy to be ready to play at the level in which you could play. Stress keeps you going when life is difficult. Stress actually helps you on the inside endure through tough seasons. Stress actually 
helps you spring into action in times of crisis. And stress is not always bad. Sometimes it can be good. In fact, it's actually the adrenaline junkies who would tell you that stress of the possibility of life and death and being in the moment, that's what actually makes life exciting. But stress does something interesting to us. Stress actually, the uh, release of adrenaline in your body actually puts undue pressure and wear and tear on your organs and on your body. So stress can be bad, but stress isn't all bad. In fact, sometimes stress helps you and I push through. Well, what is stress really? If you have your outline, take it out of your program. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew. We're going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 26. And I want you to understand, if we're going to talk about stress today, what is stress by definition? Stress by definition is accelerated wear and tear. Stress accelerates the nature of wear and tear on your body. And so what you need to do is take frequent and regular periods of recovery. The key is that they be frequent. How many of you have ever gone on a vacation or a trip and you got back and you felt just as stressed after your vacation as when you left? Anybody in here like that? Okay, right. And what happens, sometimes we just take our stress on the road show. You just take whatever you got going on at home, you just take it on the road, and that's what your vacation looks like. And, and the key, again, is frequent. Not just a vacation or two or a few a year. It's not going to fix it. It's not going to solve it. Your soul finds rest in God alone. Your soul finds rest in God alone. You say, my soul will find rest in an extra hour of sleep. But you woke up today and you're like, I could have used five, right? My soul finds rest in God alone. So we need frequent recovery periods with the Lord, not just once or twice a year. If you don't, over time, if you don't deal with stress, stress will lead ultimately to burnout. How many of you have heard about burnout? People say, I'm so burned out, but but there's a difference between actual medical burnout and people are saying, oh, I'm just kind of burned out, I'm kind of fried. There's a big difference, and we need to understand what that looks like. It's a state of physical, emotional, intellectual, spiritual exhaustion. Burnout most frequently affects those in helping professions, teachers in the room. Burnout can affect you. It can help those who are doctors, or, de- or it can affect those who are doctors or dentists or social workers or pastors or lawyers and actually parents. Any of us in a helping field or a helping work can be prone to burnout. Well, burnout has four phases, and I want to talk about what those are just as far as our education to be on the same page when we talk about how to cope with stress. When we talk about how to move from burnout to blessing in our lives, we need to understand what it is. And on your outline, you've got four phases. The first is it starts with a new beginning where there is high energy or high expectations, Right? Even a move, even an upgrade, even a new job position comes along with stress. New can be stressful. And so there might be a new beginning, and hey, there's a lot of energy there. There are also high expectations for what should happen when you get to that place. Second, there's a lessening of energy. You become physically and emotionally drained and more detached from people. What happens? You have this high, this new beginning, and then you have the low after the high. Right? You have the mountaintop, and then you have the valley. And the enemy loves to work to get, let us be as energetic as we want on the mountain because he wants to step in and affect us in the valley. 
And so what happens is there might be a time in your life where you've got this new beginning, but then there's a lessening. It's just lost its newness. It, 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 if I knew how much you know, energy it would take from me, I might not have taken this spot or taken this position or made that change in my life. Well, if you don't have frequent recovery periods, and this goes on over time and over years, then you're going to hit chronic exhaustion, sleep difficulty, you've got body symptoms, headache, upset stomach, etc. You're going to actually have chronic exhaustion in your life. How many of you are already feeling tired just learning these things, right? Okay, then if you, again, if you don't go through frequent recovery periods, you're going to hit a crisis stage. And this is where apathy, you're exhausted, you can't work, you're detached, you have increasing physical symptoms. And let me tell you, we are the most medicated generation of people that has ever existed. And doctors in so many ways are not only doctors, but they are basically stress reducers. They are the people who can prescribe, the people who can come along. What are they doing? They're saying, you're not going to change your way, maybe. You're not going to change your pace of life. And so what you're going to do is you're going to keep trying to sustain that pace, and you're going to try to live off of Red Bull, and you're going to try and live off of energy drinks. And you're, since you're going to continue doing that, and you're not going to make boundaries in your life, what we're going to do is just prescribe something to help you at least function. I think God's got something better for us. I think we have an advantage that other people don't have. And I think we can learn from the Lord how to cope with intense stress. See, we live in a generation that's stressed. We're paralyzed. There were some people in this room, you're waiting to have like the perfect 30s to 40s life. And you might be frustrated that you're not experiencing that right now. You might be frustrated about that, detached, disappointed with things in life. You might be doing little if you're a young adult to get there. Sometimes in our culture, we don't teach people that it's okay to fail. Maybe in your parenting, you're, you're down on your kids when they fail. And you're, but, but we have to understand, even when we think of identity, formation, community, mission, that failure is part of learning. You and I learned some of the best lessons we ever learned when we failed. But for some reason in our culture, some reason in our parenting, some reason in our friendships with others, we begin to frown on failure. But failing is learning. And the consequences are different. But that's part of learning, right? Any of you ever had a little tiny toddler? How many times do those kids fall down? Like trip over things, on that, and what do they do? They just learn. If I tip the toy that way, I'm going over. If I don't step over that thing, it's going to trip me and go down. In fact, failing is learning. It's why I believe God created little people short. Right? Because if we were tall when we were little people, man, with the damage that we could do, it's why God doesn't give little kids teeth at first. Right? I just think, you know, like we'd all just have our teeth knocked out. Why? Because failing is learning. And somehow as we grow older, we don't give ourselves permission to learn. I want to teach you today and give you some permission. If I were a doctor today and could write a permission slip for you today, here's what I would write. I would write, you have permission to slow down. You have permission to experience frequent recovery periods. You have a prescription that would say it is okay for you to get alone with God. It is okay for you to turn to the Lord and take time to turn to the Lord about all the stresses and all the problems going on in your life. I, I think our family teams here are so good 
So our children's, our junior high, our senior high teams here are so good because they want to come alongside. We want to come alongside you and your family and teach you to have some goals for the entire family. That you know what? It's not that you have to do A, B, C, and D. In fact, what is best for the family unit is that you can do one thing at a time, not three things at a time. And sometimes we have to tell our kids and, and draw some boundaries in their lives. They come along and say, what is best for the family unit? Because we are living in a culture where there are no boundaries. And in the name of giving our kids every experience, we are living burned out. Right? It's that whole get the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on a child. And what's happening, in the name of helping the child, we have parents and adults and grandparents who are just living at wit's end. And I think life can be a whole lot better than that. So today I want to show you God's way of intentionally dealing with stress by God's strength. Not by your strength, not by your technique, but by God's strength. And you can tap into that. I want to show you that as a believer in Jesus Christ, there are resources to dealing with stress that are only available to you. Listen, I want you to understand that in Christ, you absolutely have an advantage when it comes to coping with stress. You might not think you do, but as a believer in Christ, you've got this massive advantage in dealing with crushing stress in your life. Let's see how Jesus handled high stress and how the God of all comfort can help us reverse burnout. If you have your Bible today, open to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Second uh, point on your outline is this. Be intentional when experiencing the wear and tear of stress. Are you experiencing the wear and tear of stress in your body, on your life, in your family, in your personal well-being? Then you've got to be intentional when experiencing the wear and tear of stress. Don't just carry on as usual. What can you do intentionally? Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is about to be betrayed. He knows he's going to go to the cross and he loves you and I so much that because of your sin, because of my sin, he's going to be willing to go to the cross. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be betrayed by a, one of his closest friends. He's going to be crucified on the cross. He's going to be dead. He's going to be raised to new life. But like any human being, he doesn't want to go through the suffering like you wouldn't and I wouldn't. And so he has this physical conflict in the midst of spiritual obedience. There's a physical consequence that happens, a, a war that happens at times when we spiritually obey. And Jesus finds himself right there in Matthew 26, verse 36 and following. It says this, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. What he's saying about the cup is this. In other words, I'm going to drink the cup of suffering. But if there's any way, God, to accomplish forgiveness for people who have sinned, if it could be any other way than me suffering, I'd love to do that. But if not, not what I want in my flesh. But God, I'll be obedient to you even unto death. What kind of death? Death on a cross. So God, 
the highly exalted God, humbles himself, becomes obedient to death, the worst kind of death, death on a cross. So he prays one time, verse 40, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Sometimes you think you're all stressed out and other people should be helping you. Have you ever gone to them like, you should be helping me. Right? I'm stressed. Don't you see that I'm stressed? You all should be helping me. But what is it? You just think everybody else is asleep to your stress, right? Well, Jesus is no different. He finds them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Verse 42, he went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away once more, and what? Prayed. The third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered in the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus goes from being under incredible stress. And the other gospel accounts point to us that his stress was so intense that he actually was sweating drops of blood. Not like sweating as if he were bleeding, like sweating a lot, but actual a physical condition under the most extreme duress a person can experience where they actually sweat drops of blood. That's how intense. He said, I am sorrowful to the point of death. We're not talking about a little stress here. We're talking about the worst kind of stress. And yet Jesus goes from that to say, rise, let us go. Here comes one of the reasons for my stress. Here comes my betrayer. Here comes Judas, who's walked with me for all these years to kiss me on the cheek, to betray me, because I'm going to be obedient to God and go through all this horrible experience because I love you, and he loves me, and he knows that we have a sin problem that is going to lead to the worst stress we could ever have in our lives, in a separation from God where there is no advantage, there's only punishment. And he says, I want my beloved creation to have the chance at eternal life. In times of terrible stress, Jesus used God's three, mary, uh, three primary means of coping. So let's look at those together. There are three modes of coping with terrible stress. And here's what I want, to, I want to say before we get into those. I want to say this. Stop blaming everybody else for your stress. We all experience stress, but don't we do that? God, if, if you would just give me a new manager, I would be less stressed. And so we blame all our stress on a person. God, if I just had kids who would listen to what I said, I would be less stressed. God, if my roommate would just carry their part of the deal, I would be less stressed. God, if the traffic would open up, I would be less stressed. And we blame our stress on everybody else. Jesus could have got their phone on his knees and been like, God, kill Judas. But he didn't. Jesus didn't go into this blaming his stress on everybody else. He said, I'm stressed. I'm going to take responsibility for my stress. I'm not going to put it on everyone else. He's asking his friends to stay awake and pray with them. 
But he's not blaming them for his stress. Look, you guys aren't helping me. You should be praying because I'm really stressed. It's not what he's doing. He's inviting them into walking through life with him. But he understands that their flesh is weak, which is why they sin. He understands your flesh is weak is why you sin. And yet he's going to obey the Father for our benefit regardless. So we've got to stop blaming the people and the details of our lives that are causing stress. And we need to start saying, God, I'm stressed and I'm going to come to you. Does that make sense? We stop blaming all the details that are causing stress and we say, God, stress is a reality in my life. I'm going to bring that stress, my stress, not everybody else's details, not everybody else's condition. I'm going to bring my stress, God, to you. And so what does he do? First thing you do is you pray through until there's a breakthrough. You pray through until there's a breakthrough. Sometimes you're going to pray for months. God, on the same issue, I'm still praying about this. I'm sleepless. I'm stressed. God, I'm going to keep praying until there's a breakthrough. I'm not going to pray once and then say, did it happen or not? And then I just give up. No, I'm going to pray through until there's a breakthrough. And so you're going to do that. How many times is prayer or the word pray mentioned in this passage? You might not rewind. We highlighted all of them. But the answer is five. There were five times. In fact, on one distinct night, there were three specific sessions of prayer in one night. Let me ask, how intentional are you about praying about your stress? When's the last time you had three distinct prayer sessions in one night about the things that are stressing you out? In one afternoon, during one day, what are we going to do? If we're going to be intentional about coping with stress God's way, with the power he gives us to overcome, then we've got to do what Jesus modeled. And so the first thing you and I need to do is we're going to pray. Because I'm stressed, I'm going to pray. I'm going to continue to pray until I see a breakthrough, I will pray. And I'll keep praying. Second thing is you need the support of Christian friends. And they may not be perfect. They might fall asleep on you. But at least you're inviting others to come alongside and encourage you. You need a brotherhood if you're a guy. You need a sisterhood if you're a girl. You need to get in a circle. It is so amazing to watch people in a circle support one another. They can't have it and fix it all for somebody else, but they can say, we'll walk with you until this season is through. We will pray with you until there's a breakthrough. We will carry and listen to you. Until there's a breakthrough. You need Christian friends around you. So the support of Christian friends. And third, you need to trust God and submit to his will. Don't miss this. We project our will on God all the time. God, I'm giving you a week to get this thing done. And if it didn't happen, I'm, I'm done with you. I'm done praying, God, unless this thing changes in a week. No. Pray. But also submit yourself to God's will. What would it look like in your life if you submitted yourself to God's timing? See, you want to pray. You want to pray against that person who makes you stressful. You want to pray against your spouse. You want to pray against your kids. You want to pray against the people who are afflicting you on the outside. And what I want to say is trust God and submit to his will. What if God wants you to develop character on his timing before there's a release? Jesus kept saying, if there's any way for this cup to pass, that
that would be great. But not my will, but yours be done. When you and I come and pray to God, when we have frequent recovery periods from stress, we need to come and pray for the will of God. I mean, Jesus could have come and been like, God, this is so brutal. Literally, I'm going to get crucified. And some of you feel like that about the stress in your life. This is killing me, right? It's cru- I'm going to get crucified. And let me tell you, you are looking for guarantees, but this is what Jesus came. He said, God, I would love to have a guarantee that I don't have to suffer like this, but not my will be done, your will be done. And let me tell you, it is to the Father's glory. In other words, whatever happens here, God, I want to give you glory. In my stress, I want to give you glory. In the outcome, I want to give you glory. God, I want you to train me to outlast. Listen, you might lose your life, or you might save it. You might lose your house. Or you might keep it. You might lose your job. Or you might stay in it. You might lose your family. Or you might see it restored. But you submit yourself to God's process and his will. And when you and I do that, there's an awakening that happens. There's an arising. There where there should have been burnout, there is now an awakening and arising to be able to cope with the conditions of life, including your stress. Isn't that a beautiful pattern? Isn't that a great thing? Some of you are like, yeah, yeah, come on, Dave. But that was like Jesus. He's God. He's got like extra strength to be able to do something like that. And I would say, oh, no, 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 no. You haven't read your Bible. You haven't seen after Jesus went back up into heaven, you haven't seen what New Testament believers did when they coped with stress that was leading them even to the point of death. And so flipping your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it's for your, com- discomfort, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you will share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Now here he qualifies, Paul qualifies the stress that he and the other missionaries were under. He says, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. What did Jesus say? I'm sorrowful unto the point of death. How intense was his stress? Now the New Testament believers... We were pressured far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might rely not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. And as you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Okay, Paul's talking here, but I want to point out that they do and they walk through exactly the same three things that Jesus did. They prayed through until there was a breakthrough. They actually requested prayer of their friends, right? 
For many of them, it was by letter because he's writing a letter to the church in Corinth while they're in another place. And he's saying, listen, this is a terrible, stressful time. Be praying for us. And he's seeing the result. We're going to pray through until there's a breakthrough. They have the support of Christian friends. We need you. We didn't just handle this on our own. We needed you. In fact, as we suffer, at times you suffer. And when you suffer and been comforted by God, we receive the comfort that you receive from God in the same way that we've been comforted by God. We train you to patiently endure that God is for you, that there can be a breakthrough, that you are not under the sentence of death in your stress. And third, what they do? They trusted God and submitted to his will. So that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. How many of you, just being honest, would say, I've been relying too long in my stress on myself, my abilities, my help. Come on, just be honest. A lot of us in this room, yeah, I've been relying on myself. And sometimes stress and stressful experiences teach you and me not to rely on ourselves. God's uh, life is going to squeeze us anyway. God allows life to squeeze us. Why? So that we would trust in God and not on ourselves. He loves us. And so we submit to his will. Today, as we look at these two passages, I want you to know that you have a three-step distinct advantage to coping with intense stress in your life. And I hope that as you walk out of here today that you're just like, God, I just, I feel renewed. I feel a little glimmer of hope in the midst of the stress that I've been facing. I, I, I'm gonna continue, God, a practice of running to you. Lord forbid that in my pain I've avoided you, God, because that's what we do all too often. I'm hurting, I'm stressed, I don't have time. And God says, take frequent recovery periods with me. Pray through till there's a breakthrough. Stop telling God what to do to fix all your problems and submit yourself to his process. And he will prove himself faithful because that's what he does. And today we are the beneficiaries of that because Jesus prayed through and submitted himself to the will of the Father And so we are the ones who now have the chance by faith in what Jesus did on the cross to receive eternal life, to have our sins washed away, to be forgiven completely on the inside, to have all of our sin washed away. In fact, so often in our lives, it's our own sin that causes a lot of our stress, isn't it? It's self-inflicted. And yet God wants something greater in you. And so Jesus suffered on the cross for us. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, just thinking about your own life, I want today just to have you recognize that Jesus went through that for you to give you a better way, to save you, to forgive you of your sin, to bring you to new life in him. And if today I believe in this room, there are many in this room who've already made a decision for Christ. You've made a step to say, Jesus, I submit my life to you. I come to you and I'm a believer. And if you've done that, then even right now, would you just take a few moments and just begin to be honest with God about the stresses in your life. Maybe the self-reliance that you've been leaning on. Maybe your pride that doesn't want to let you get into a circle and get help with other people. You've been like, God, I'm just going to handle this on my own. God, I'm just going to do it on my own. And God's just saying, I'm going to wear down that pride so that you'll be part of my family. Not just a believer in me. 
I want you to be a child of God, which means you got brothers and sisters. Be the children of God. Maybe today that's just you as a believer. You're just talking to him about that. But I also believe that in this room, there are those who've never given your life to Christ. You've never said, Jesus, I want to receive the forgiveness of my sin. You maybe even didn't realize that it was his death on the cross that opens a way for your sins to be forgiven. That he willingly took upon himself the punishment that was ours and wants to trade for us the forgiveness for our sin. And if that's you today and you'd like to give your life to Jesus, if you're ready to say, God, I'm coming to the end of me, I'm ready to receive you, then you pray a prayer right where you're seated in your chair, just something like this after me. Jesus, today I give you me. I believe you died on that cross for my sin, that you were buried, that you rose to new life, and that you were God. I ask you to, to make me a new creation on the inside. Come into my life. Forgive me of all my sin, God. Wash me as white as snow. Because today, I give you me. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.